Hi, this is Kate. Hi, Jane Barthen here. And what the, the hell is elder care? Hey, we want to thank you for joining in on this podcast where we're going to talk. Actually, Jane's going to be talking about spirituality versus religion. As you know, Jane has that background many, many years. Uh, not only in as a nursing home administrator, but in hospice and palliative care. Um, but before we get started, I just want to talk about that last podcast uh, in which we interviewed uh, Dr. Wim Rogers. I truly enjoyed it, and I learned a lot, and I hope that you all learned something about physical therapy and, and really how we can keep those muscles uh, a little bit stronger. What do you think, Jane? Oh, I enjoyed it too. I um, I thought Cheryl had uh, tremendous things to say, and I think Dr. Rogers did too. I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle tonight, and okay. this is not to be anything that is gloom and doom. Right. Um, this is something that I think because of, of my age and my profession, Kate, that I talk to people a little bit more about in the field of social work and in the field... Um, of healthcare than I did probably in my 30s, 40s, and 50s. Right. And there has been a couple of really, really touching cases that I have had, mm -hmm. that I have watched people struggle mm -hmm. with self-worth and spirituality, not even knowing if they're defining spirituality. And I thought that I could open up and share with something. Um, Please do. It's... Because it's sort of multi-segmented, if you will. Okay. So it, I was working as in the field, and I was working with um, dementia patients, primarily spouses of dementia patients. Mm -hmm. And I had worked with, I'm going to say a young gentleman, because anybody that I worked with was young. So <laughs> I was working with this young gentleman. Actually, he was in his 70s. And he had cared for his wife at home for a significant amount of years. I'm going to say probably five or six. Okay. And the, the, the couple were, were very, very well educated. They had no children. Mm -hmm. And so when his wife went into a facility that was a dementia unit in a full-blown continuum of care, meaning they had all levels she was in the dementia, and it, and it was difficult because he wasn't sure that she did recognize him for, for the majority of her final months. Mm. So he was very receptive to a hospice team, except he very much declined a chaplain for a long time. And, and of course, Nobody needs to be accepting of the chaplain service or the volunteer service or a social worker. The only mandate under Medicare, from a hospice perspective, Medicare regulatory-wise, is you must have a nurse. So can we just back up a little bit, just so maybe some of our uh, listeners, maybe we need a little bit of a definition of hospice, if you don't mind. Okay. So there were two physicians mm -hmm. that had deemed his wife a prognosis of which she could die within six months or less. Now, do people 
still pass that six-month prognosis. They certainly do. Mm -hmm. But due to their diagnosis and due to the criteria under the Medicare program, um, she had been deemed hospice appropriate. Okay. And the reason for that is she wasn't dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. um, she didn't have Parkinson's disease or ALS or anything. But but her dementia had caused such a weight loss and such a decline in mobility and what we define as activities of daily living, which Dr. Rogers talked about with dressing, bathing, toileting, right. she was totally dependent. Understood. Okay, okay. Which, which is what got too difficult for him at home. Right. So he was very, very receptive to okay. that. So what happened was um, his wife had passed. Okay. And he did not choose to have bereavement follow-up. And under the Medicare guidelines, you can have bereavement and a bereavement counselor for up to a year. And that can be, Kate and listeners, that can be somebody that you meet one-to-one -one with. Mm -hmm. That can be somebody that you can have in a group setting. And that can be somebody that we call literature involved, meaning just mailings. But the availability to reach out to somebody in the first year of their grief period following a loss. Which is a wonderful support. Incredible yeah, support. Absolutely. And, I, and I have to I, I have to give a shout out truly for funeral homes mm -hmm. who are providing their own support to people that they have worked with and families which sometimes multi-generational. So what, what happened was he chose not to have that, and we don't push anybody, but we just ask if they care to come to a memorial service or whatnot. Sure. So after the one-year mark, we don't send anything out, but we're still available to be there. If somebody right. calls us, we're not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, it's been 13 and a half months. We're not going to see you. Right. There's no cutoff. No cutoff. So with... That being said, I'm going to flash forward three years later. Okay. And he is in an inpatient rehab unit, the gentleman. Okay. And I get a hospice referral on him. And he does have a cancer diagnosis. Okay. So he clearly knows what right. hospice did for his wife. He, mm -hmm. And he understands his prognosis. He understands he's not choosing to um, proceed with any any kind of treatment. So I went in to see him, and he certainly recognized me. And you, you know what, Kate, just for the viewers, Kate and I have ethics in our scope of practice where we don't walk up to patients and say, do you remember me and, and remember this? And, you know, we wait for patients or families to approach us after we've been Absolutely. intervening with them. So that's our scope of practice. That's our morals and our ethics. So obviously I don't address this gentleman at all. Mm -hmm. So um, after the first introduction, he said to me, I appreciate your time. I know how beneficial it was when I was losing my wife. I'm not sure that I'm ready for hospice right now, but I'll call you. So I said, okay, okay. So he never came on service because he wanted to go home and he wanted the option of being on palliative care 
in the event he chose some radiation for his cancer. Okay. So he called me, not being on service, and wanted to know if I could talk at some point. So I said, absolutely, I'm, an, I'm, I'm willing to talk. I lived, I lived very close to him. I was ready to go and talk to him, and he canceled. Okay. And it, right, and you don't say, do you want to reschedule? You allow the person to be on their own timeline in right. their journey. You never say, I think you should talk to me within the next seven days or anything. Right, because you're not going to force. Right. You're not going to force that because otherwise it's not helpful. It's not beneficial to that client. So right. I understand. Go ahead. So what happened was he then opted to go on hospice Okay. about a month later, which he just wanted to... Sometimes people think when you're giving informationals and when you're doing educationals, like what we're doing even with our podcast, that there's a little bit of pressure with that. And that's the last thing you want to do when somebody is making a decision of treatment, active treatment or not. So uh, he did come on service, but he declined me. And I was a little... <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. Okay, folks, my ego was hurt. Let me just get that right out there. I'm sure it was. I'm like, why? What? Not me? <laughs> and, and again, and again, you do a lot of things to make somebody be in their comfort zone. Because, Absolutely. You know what? This needs to be in their control and That's their right. decision making. So, you know, he preferred a male nurse. You get a male nurse. You prefer not to have a woman do any personal care. You don't do that. You don't want a female social worker, Understood. such as myself in bereavement, then we don't do that. Right. So then one day the um, nurse came up and asked me if I could go to his home. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So I don't need a doctor's order. I don't need anything to do that when a patient wants to talk to me. Right. So, um... When I went there to his home, his daughter was there. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Correct. Yeah. So any dynamics. And he introduced me mm -hmm. to to his daughter. And then he said, I would like you to um talk with me privately, but I just wanted to introduce you to my daughter. Okay. Well, and if we can Go back to what I just said. Right. 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 So he felt a need to truly talk about the fact that he had a daughter out of wedlock with another woman and never told his wife that oh. he had a daughter and never had a relationship. Understood. Okay. Now we know. And I listened Mm -hmm. Not judgmental in any way, but I said, what's bothering you? Mm -hmm. I'm not a good person. Who would have done that? And I said, well, I'm sure at the time you weighed the pros and cons of that. Mm -hmm. He said, well, what happened is we just got too far into the marriage where I thought it was not good timing. Right. And I said... You never had an intent to, to to hurt your wife. Sure. You know, when there was different things, and I was very... I didn't want to tell him how he was feeling, but what he said to me was my, wife was, my wife was a devout Catholic and got buried as she wanted to get buried in the Catholic Church. I am not so much. However, I want to know what's happening to me because I just don't know. 
if what I did, if I'm going to be able to see her again in the afterlife. Oh, my God. I mean... So I, I will tell you, I've, I've had a couple of those mm-hmm. um, throughout the course. It's, it's not the ordinary. It wasn't. And I'm in no way a priest providing absolution right. or anybody doing anything. But as a listener, maybe I can see where they're coming from and who can maybe provide some additional comfort to them as this gentleman is hanging on because he doesn't want to die. Although he's ready to die, he doesn't want to die because of what had happened. So he was fearful that was, because of he kept a secret that um, he would not see his wife then. Um, and that really bothered him. And so you really listened to him and and you respected what he had to tell you. But to me, it sounds like he wasn't looking at the fact that he was a good person, though, right? That oh. he had lived his life you know, with respect and, and love and happiness and provided his wife with joy, right? He didn't look at any of that. Right. And and he had a lot of anger. And I think the reason why he said my wife is a devout Catholic and that that's all a relative term as mm-hmm. to we can all interpret what a devout Catholic is, sure. what, a, what a good Christian is. Sure. What, but the But the problem that he had was blaming God for the disease of the Alzheimer's. And he just had to blame somebody because he didn't know where to vent his anger about, if you will, losing his wife before he lost his wife. And isn't that a part of grieving? And that is what we define as anticipatory grief. Anticipatory is the death before the death. Absolutely. So we... We talked at great length, and I said, would you like to talk to the chaplain? I don't want to talk to the chaplain. Um, I don't want to talk to anybody else. I just needed to say it out loud because I've never said it out loud, but I have done um, asked forgiveness, and I have met my daughter, and my daughter was raised by another family and did beautifully in this world, and I'm grateful that she had that, and she has joined me knowing the seriousness of, of my illness and so on and so on. But that that brings me to something you said that I thought was so relevant in the first podcast. When we were talking about the senior years and getting mm-hmm. up, you said, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're getting out of college and you're making decisions, do you want to go to grad school? Do you want to go to med school? Do you want to buy a house? Do you not want to buy a house? Do you want to get married? And then the 30s, you've got families. And then do you want to move to another house? Do you want another career? Um, then you get into parental problems of aging. And then you start worrying about your children and your parents at the same time. Sandwich generation. Yeah. And, and and exactly. So you know, then you get into your 40s, and then people were making jokes, but there's no jokes really about, is that a midlife crisis? Is that a menopausal moment? What's going on? And then you have divorce that comes into different age categories. Nobody is looking at spirituality, Kate, except you may have it individually, but nobody has a wine and cheese party normally and said the discussion tonight will be totally spirituality. Mm -hmm. You may go to yoga, you may have meditation, you may do your own things that make your 
your mental wellness and your internal wellness better for you as a person. And that can be very spiritual. The thing that always bothered me in social work in the last couple of years was people always wanted to substitute religion for spirituality. Mm -hmm. And they're entirely two different things, but they can overlap, just like Dr. Rogers with PT and OT. There can be some overlapping there. Absolutely, I agree. And, and one of the things that is on a mandated Medicare assessment form is A, what religion are you? B, are you active? People are offended. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it, it, it's just like you never talk about politics and religion, Kate. Right. There's nothing different with that. Right, I agree. So, so what happened is a lot of people get very embarrassed. Oh, oh, you know, I used to go to church. I'm not, I, that's not what I want to know. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know that. I want to know... How are you? Because there's been a lot going on. Or I want to look at a wife and say, I know you're strong all day long. Do you want to cry about something? Do you want to punch this table? What do you want to do? And I know with myself and my family and personal issues, you just get plain scared and you start questioning everything about yourself. And who are you? Mm -hmm. I agree. So, you know, the difference between spirituality and religion is really quite huge. And the, what the reason why I say that is spirituality is completely, completely individual. Mm -hmm. I mean, religion, you know, is, is a defined group, structured, mandated, with rules organization that, pe that people choose to belong to. Mm -hmm. uh, can I ask you? Did sure. you ever hear the term creaster? No, never. Well, let me tell you what a creaster is. What's that? <laughs> a creaster is when you ask somebody if they have a religion and they said, I'm a creaster. And when that is, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> so, That's a good one. <laughs> and I say, please don't feel you have to explain this to me. Right. I'm just talking about spiritual well-being. Sure. But, you know, when you get into group beliefs, you know, and mandations... What individual spirituality does is let you have your own system mm -hmm. with some control of who you feel you are, who you want to be, and where you're going in the last phase of your life. And I don't like people going, is this the final phase? I don't like final. Final mm -hmm. is final to me. Right. And I think that we can talk about later years. I think we can use any term. I'm not denying that I'm 68 years old. I'm not denying any of this. Right. I'm just stating, I don't know that this year is my final year, so I don't want to use that term. Mm -hmm. And I just look upon things differently than I did when I practiced in my 40s, 50s, and 60s. Right. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like when people say the final years that they're closing the book on their life and not really living the life that they should be. And um, I know for a fact that the way that I, I call it my own zen of aging is that I see 
aging to me is that I continue on with my own spirituality, how I was brought up, and I never sway from that. I am all about um, respect. Respect is really key to me. I not only respect myself and I respect my body of what's happening, even though I complain about the aches and pains, I still respect it because I'm grateful that I'm here, right? And I I provide, um, I'm grateful, that's another thing. I'm always grateful, I'm gracious to others. And how I was brought up is that I wanna treat others the way I would like to be treated at that time, you know? And so that's my spirituality. I'm very much about sending individuals positive thoughts, energy. I'm also about praying. I will certainly send up a prayer for those of my friends who might be struggling at the time, or even just for my own family. But I truly believe that spirituality is, is what you make it, right? It's and, and you shouldn't worry about if you have gone to church or not, you know. Like you were stating on that Medicare form, you know, uh, are you active? That to me, that is more along the lines of a priest asking you that on a form for baptism. Are you an active member of the church? I I certainly would understand that, but I don't understand that in regards to Medicare. Well, and I've always said to people, you know, you your your relationship with your spouse is private. Your relationship with your children and your siblings is private. Right. Your relationship with God and your faith mm-hmm. is private. Right. And it is what it is to you. You've made it. You carry it. You, just like Cheryl would say, you own it. You own it. That's right. And so when all the questions come up about religion and the um, and following this and following that... I think that we need to lump things into your internal you. I agree. Needs to speak to your your head and say, this is where we are. This is what's going to make you feel comfortable. Because you can be with somebody at end of life that you know who is at peace. Mm-hmm. And you know people who are not at peace. Mm-hmm. And when you try to get individuals to be at peace, what part of their life can you touch? Could you change? Could you make more positive so that they can be a little more peaceful as they transition? Right. And I think that still, that also goes back to living your life like that. What can you do for other people like that? You know, to follow, what can you do to make their life a little bit easier? What can you do to make them feel that they're at peace for that day that they had? It might not have been their best day. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. agree. And I think the question we always ask ourselves is, if something, something happened today that you didn't have someone in your life tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Do you regret that? Well, why didn't you say it right. previously? Right. And I swore during COVID that when I see somebody walking down the street and I think she's got a great hair color instead of mine, I'm going <laughs> to tell her that. Or if she looks like her kids just are all darling, you know, and they're out at a restaurant, 
I'm going to start telling people that because I think people need to tell people things. And that was a need I realized I had when people were going through their own COVID isolations. Sure. Because that's just something we took for granted before is open communication at our own, you know, um, designated times. I agree. I agree 100%. I was at Trader Joe's recently and there was um, one of their, um, what what do I want to call them? It was one of their employees and she was putting bananas on the um, on the rack. And so she was telling somebody, oh, I missed you. And then and I turned around and I said, you know what? And I missed you too. And she turned <laughs> around and said, I'm sorry. And I said, well, you were telling that person that you missed them. And I'm just telling you, I missed you too. <laughs> I don't know who she was, but I, she smiled. So, yeah. but I, you know, that, that kind of goes back to, you know, I, I just want to go back to spirituality is that we should just, we're all going to have good days and we're going to have bad days. And I, I think that it's key that we find what is in our inner self that makes us feel better, right? You could meditate. Um, you could read a book. You could read the Bible. You could call a friend, any of those things. But it's it's something about finding that inner peace within yourself, Exactly. You know. And nobody's going to do that. Right. Except yourself. Right. And I think there's a lot of questions. Where um where am I going? Is anybody gonna reach out to me? Mm-hmm. Um, am I gonna be reunited? You know, there if anybody is a true animal lover and you've heard of the Rainbow Bridge. Right. It, I wonder, you know, please tell me my Cocker Spaniels are at the Rainbow Bridge for me, just right. like, you know, um, my parents welcome me, you know. Absolutely. At, and and I think these, and some people don't feel that way, and that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of judgment on religion, on people's spirituality, on, on people's defining their own inner peace, Kate. And I mm-hmm. just think people need to ease up on other people. And let people do what they need to do. I um, agree. And this is a time that is closer to anything than it was in the 30s, 40s, 50s when we faced other internal problems and and, and difficult decision making. I remember um, to get a little personal here when my mom there was a, my mom was not doing well and she had had a transfusion and. We got a call that night that uh, actually it was early in the morning to come uh, to the hospital because she was not doing well. She was bleeding out. And I remember saying to her, what do you want us to do? And she looked at me and she said, I'm tired. I'm just ready to go. And I knew then that that was... That was something that you needed to listen to, although you didn't want to hear that at that time. It was a gift. I knew that she was spiritually sound, that she was ready, that she was comfortable in what was going to happen. She had accepted it. She had accepted it. She was ready. She wanted you to know it was okay. Right. And she wanted you then to be okay because she was okay. Right. So 
Absolutely. I mean, and then you, when somebody like your parents or your child passes, uh, I've never experienced that, but with a parent, it, it is that feeling of, of granted, you granted them peace um, because you were there to comfort them and to show love. And I knew she was going to meet my dad on the other side. I knew that. So, so that that's what makes you feel better with your loss and your grieving process. But right. I wanted to say to to those of you listening, nobody in this day and age should question your religion, should question you being a priester, should question <laughs> anything about you when it comes to your spirituality. It is as individualized as anything in your entire life, and you are allowed to feel what you want to feel at, at, at the final decade, final two decades, whatever you consider. Beautifully said, beautifully said, Jane. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with the end of every podcast, we like to leave you with a quote um, on aging, and last time we talked to, we quoted Sophia Loren, and uh, this time around, um, Jane is going to provide us with that quote. And uh, in the meantime, before Jane uh, um, provides us with that, I want to say that our next podcast is going to be on um, elder care resources, which is something that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, since that is currently my job and, uh, definitely Jane has a lot of experience in that field. So please listen in on that because we're definitely going to empower you, educate you and provide a lot of experience or, or, or share our experiences with you. So Jane, well, I'm going to break the mold because we've been quoting women and I'm going to quote a man tonight. Okay. And let me tell you where I got this. I know there's Pittsburghers listening and there's people that are not Pittsburghers. This quote came off the wall of Billy Porter's Love him. fashion yeah. icon show at Phipps Conservatory in Pittsburgh. So when they had a lot of different sayings, and of course, he is he is a gentleman that has overcome a lot of different things in his life. Right. But I like this because it reminded me of Kate and our goals for this podcast. So this is Billy Porter. For me, life is about being positive and hopeful, choosing to be joyful, choosing to always be encouraging so that we can always choose to be empowering. Perfectly said, Billy Porter. Billy Porter. Thank you, Billy Porter. Thank you, Jane. Thanks, Kate. I appreciate it. And um, please listen in to our next podcast about elder care resources. And Take have, care and stay safe. And uh, bring your inner peace out, yourself and, and uh, your spirituality. And thank you very much.